0: The following episode of Big Time Small Talk contains stories and observations about depression, anxiety, and suicide. If you or someone you know needs help, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. And please remember, you are not Did you know that in 2018, there were close to 50,000 suicides in the United States of America? And in 2020, there were close to 60,000 suicides in the United States of America. Suicide is on the rise. Depression and anxiety also on the rise something is happening that we are not doing we are not seeing we are not aware of today's program I want to take a look at depression and anxiety from a perspective of people who don't understand it I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in my 20s it has been an ongoing battle but I am happy to say I feel like I've got that battle under control But it is still a battle that I have to fight regularly. So today, I want to share my perspective on these two horrendous disorders and how you can help someone who perhaps is in this situation or how you yourself can get help. Let's get into it. Welcome to Big Time Small Talk, Stories and Observations Beyond Small Talk. I am your host, Jody Rollins. And today is one of the heavier topic shows that we do here, but I don't want that to be sort of any discouragement to keep listening or to feel heavy and overwhelmed. I think at the core of this topic is hope. And that's what I wanna try to attain as we discuss this that there is hope for anyone out there who might be considering suicide and for people who deal with people who are depressed or deal with anxiety and they don't understand it because they themselves don't deal with any of those things so that's where i'm coming from today from a place of hope so i wanted to start with that um the, there there's several reasons that I wanted to do this particular show but one of the first ones is I as I mentioned before I listen to this one talk radio show and it's just a bunch of knuckleheads really it's just mindless fun and sometimes serious topics and something happened where they were talking about someone who commits suicide and They were talking about how this person has a family and kids and, you know, a whole world. They had money. And why would they want to commit suicide if they had all this money and they had family and how selfish it was? And it became very clear to me because they had caller after caller after caller on this particular show that called in and was saying, it's so selfish. I don't understand what's wrong with people. Like we all get down, but you don't do that to your family members. We all have bad days. We all have things happen to us. But, you know, and then they would, they would go into these stories about how, you know, they lost their job and then their car broke down and they had to walk and then their grandmother died and their mom got cancer, but they didn't commit suicide. And it was this whole sort of barrage of i stuck it out with every crappy thing that happened to me why can't you what's wrong with these people and i just like my blood started to kind of boil but i i had to stop and remind myself that people who don't suffer from depression and anxiety just don't get it and so i thought to myself I want to try to do a show where I, I explain it at least from my perspective. I am not a doctor. I am not anybody who's ever been hired to talk about depression or anxiety. I have worked at a group home for foster children who were abused, neglected, and abandoned in, uh, gosh, several, many, many years ago, and we dispensed meds, and we were educated on that. I studied child studies in college, so I know the history, and I have an understanding of humans and the human condition, but mostly when it comes to depression and anxiety, sorry, little frog in my throat. When it comes to depression and anxiety, it's my own personal experience. And that's what I want to share with you today. Because anytime I see, you know, these experts and these doctors and, you know, authors and panelists, and they're on the news or on the cable shows or online talking about it, it's sort of brushed over. And we all say the sort of standard lines like, you know, it's very serious and, you know, we've got to stop this stigma and, you know, mental health awareness. But they don't talk about what it truly feels like. I don't, I've not seen it. A lot of times it's just, oh, this person commits suicide or, oh, they were dealing with depression and for many years now. And they move on. So today, I just want to open the door Or, you know, open a window to what it's like to be depressed for someone, if anyone out there doesn't understand it. Because then, if we understand what people are going through, that's when we can truly make changes. Because I believe the number one problem with why we don't see sweeping and dramatic change with how we deal with our mental health crisis because we are in a crisis, is because people don't believe it. It's almost like the tooth fairy. They equate being sad with the same as depression or being stressed out or nervous as the same as anxiety. And they could not be more different. And so that's what I wanna look at today. And hopefully, If you are out there and you know someone who's dealing with depression and you thought, I just don't get it, maybe this show will help you understand a little bit more. And then if you too are out there and you are dealing with depression and anxiety, at least you'll know that you aren't alone and that other people experience it similarly or the same as you do. And I'm that person. So all of that being said. How do you describe depression? That's the thing. It's like, if I break my leg, all of us, whether we have broken our leg or not, can understand that. It would be immense pain, I go to the doctor or the emergency room or the hospital or whatever, you know, urgent care someplace, and then I get a cast put on and I wear that for several weeks or months and hopefully it's cured. You know, it's itchy. People sign the cast. I don't even know if they still do that. And you get on with your life. Everyone can sort of relate. Even if you didn't break your leg, you know what happens. You know what to do or when it comes to brushing your teeth. If you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get cavities. So you know that every day, you gotta get your toothpaste on that brush several times a day, ideally two, right? Two to three times a day, and brush your teeth. It's an ongoing thing, that's just what we all have to do. We all sort of understand, that's what we do with our teeth, that's what happens if we break our leg, that's what happens in life. If, if you get diabetes, you know that you have to take your insulin, watch the sugar you eat, and exercise. Those are like the basics. We all can understand about things that touch so many people's lives. Getting a cavity or having you know plaque on your teeth is something we all have to deal with. Or maybe we know somebody who's dealt with diabetes or cancer. Like if you get cancer, you know, they either have to remove the tumor or treat you with radiation or chemo. Like we all sort of can wrap our brains around those things. But depression, we can't. We can't see it, we can't touch it, and we can't taste it or feel it or hear it if it's not us you know, yes, you can hear someone talking about it, but you can't, it's not like, oh, that person is depressed. They have turned a shade of purple. I can see they're depressed. They are clinically depressed. If that happened, oh my gosh, yes, it would be strange. And there'd be no more hiding it because so many people try to hide depression. But in a way, maybe that would be better. Because people just think, depression is just sadness. It's just having a bad day or a few bad weeks or something happened to you. But you should be able to pull yourself up from your bootstraps or buy your bootstraps and get on with it. Because life is hard for everybody. What makes you so special? That's sort of what our society tells people with depression. I I don't feel that badly about X, Y, or Z. Why do you? All of these bad things happen to me. I don't understand why a few bad things happen to you, and you're a mess. And they start listing all the bad things that happen to them. So I thought about it. And here is the best that I can do to describe how I have felt when it comes to depression, specifically. When I'm sad, say I don't get a job promotion that I wanted, or, you know, I was supposed to go on a trip and it gets canceled, or I had, you know, $300 in my pocket and I lost it. Things that, you know, just suck, right? Things that are bad, you might say, I'm upset. I'm sad. You know, it's difficult. It's annoying. It's kind of like if you have a cat, and this is the best analogy I could come up with on the spot. If you have one of those cats that, and I love cats, but if you have a cat that kind of follows you around, you know, you walk into the kitchen and you make your lunch and the cat follows you in there. Meow, meow, meow. It wants like some special wet food that you only give them once a day, but they're still going to ask you for that. I had a cat that did that just constantly, meow, meow, give me that wet food. I'm like, you get the wet food once a day, enjoy your dry kibble, right? The rest of the day. So I make my lunch and she, the cat is in there, meow, 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 you know, begging away. And then I go after I've eaten my lunch and I sit on the couch maybe and I'm going to watch some TV and the cat, the cat follows me, cat. You know, sits down on the couch, meow, still wants that that wet food. And then I decide, you know what, I have some laundry to do. So I go in the other room and I start sorting the clothes, and the cat follows me in there. To me, sadness is like that. It's like this little thing that follows you around. And eventually my cat, right? She gives up. She's like, all right, she's not giving me any of that wet food. And I get on with my day. Eventually that thing that was a little bit of a nuisance, a little bit of an inconvenience, a little bit of a bother, after a while, it subsides. That's sadness. It's just there, you know, the cat being the the metaphor for sadness, but it's not overwhelming. Depression, on the other hand, is more like you're trying to do your day And somebody throws a blanket over your head. And you cannot get that blanket off of your head. And you're like, wait, what? I don't want this blanket on my head. I have things to do. I have places to go. I have a life to live. I just don't want to live with this blanket on my head. So you start to fight it. And then someone throws an even heavier blanket on your head. So now it's dark and it's scary and it's isolated. You feel isolated and you're trying to fight. You're like, this is overwhelming. I have things to do. I have a job to do. I have people in my life and it's just starting to get overwhelming. And then they throw another heavier blanket on you and it starts to weigh you down, but you still have to get up in the day and you try to get up in the morning And you go to brush your teeth and you have to drag these heavy blankets. It's hard to see. It's hard to focus. It's hard to care because you just want these blankets off of your head. And you still have to brush your teeth and eat your breakfast, but eating isn't the same. Things don't taste as good. Or maybe you want to do nothing but eat because you're so overwhelmed with these blankets on you. And just when you think you could kind of manage, another blanket is put on your head. And now you just want to go back to sleep. You want to stay in bed because it's too much. You have these heavy blankets, blanket on top of blanket on top of blanket, And more of them start to appear on top of more blankets. And it just gets to be overwhelming. And all the voices around you, your friends, your family, they all say things like, it's not that bad. Come on, buck up. We all have bad days. Of course you're upset about X. But keep going. Hang in there. Look at me. Do what I do. But you can barely even get through your day because those blankets are so heavy. And among all of that, the darkness and the isolation and the people, you're like almost screaming inside, don't you see? I have all of this on me. And they're like, you look the same as you did yesterday. You look exactly the same. You smell the same. You look the same. You, you appear the same in every way, but you yourself are trapped under these blankets. And you can't get out. And just when you think this can't get any worse, then your brain starts playing tricks on you. I call depression the great lie. It is the best liar in existence. Because then your brain, your depression brain, starts to say, you're useless, you're worthless you can't do anything. You're a terrible human being. You're a piece of garbage. Look at you. Look at you. You can't even handle whatever's happening in your life. Anybody else doesn't get a promotion and they suck it up. What's wrong with you? So what? You didn't get that promotion. You are a loser. Of course you wouldn't get that promotion because you suck at your job. I bet your boss hates you. All of the other coworkers, they don't even like you. What's wrong with you? You would be better off if you weren't here. They should hire somebody else. They probably will hire somebody else. Then enter anxiety. All of that depression is so cunning. It's like the nastiest, most hateful person you can imagine. It is the devil. And they're in your head. And everybody else is saying to you, you'll be all right. Hang in there. Things happen. I don't get it. Why are you crying? Get out of bed. Stop doing that. What's wrong with you? Take medication or you're on medication. Why isn't it helping? You're in therapy. Why isn't it helping? And all you hear is that hateful devil voice. You're fat. You're ugly. You're not very smart. You're not good at your job. You're a terrible mother. You're a terrible person. You're not very clean. Look at your house. Look at that pile of laundry, loser. You can't do anything. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You're too much. You're not enough. These are the things that play in your brain when you're depressed over and over and over and over again. And the rest of the world is just as sunny as it's always been, but you're under this blanket of self-hatred, and it's so smothering. It's a lot. And then when the, the anxiety comes in, it gets worse. I want to take a break and I want to share with you what happens when anxiety kicks in. Because if that isn't enough, it gets worse. It's not just the blanket. It's not just all of those thoughts. Anxiety, it's like I had a therapist once that said it was two sides of the same coin or depression is pain turned inward and an anxiety, I don't know if she said anxiety, is turned outward or something along those lines, but it's it's like these two buddies and they tag team you. If you're lucky, maybe you have one or the other. Both of them suck, but when you have them together, It literally is like being tag teamed by the devil. And I want to share with you what happens when anxiety joins in coming up after the break. Stay with me. Welcome back. I want to take a moment, as I always do, real quick, and just say if you want to follow the show, please don't forget to click subscribe across whatever platform you're listening to, except if you're listening to Apple, where you will now click follow in the upper right-hand corner. There's a little plus or a check. I think it's a plus. They change so many things. And if you want to follow the show on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Jody Rollins. Please follow me there. I'm also on Twitter at Jody's Box, as in Jody's Mailbox. And um, you can write the show if you have questions, comments, concerns, things you like, don't things that you don't like, whatever, uh, you can write me at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in supporting the show from a financial perspective, you can go to anchor.fm or download the Anchor app and find the show and just click on support the show. There's several financial options for you to choose from, even as low as 99 cents a month, right? Would you miss 99 cents if you dropped it on the sidewalk? Probably not. All the way up to, I think, um, 19 99 a month, something like that. Yeah. So you have options. Support the show. Help out. I'm a small business. Support your small podcast businesses. I would greatly appreciate it. And thank you to those of you who do support the show financially. You know who you are, and I greatly appreciate it. On the Anchor app, you can also leave a voicemail, and sometimes I play them on the show. I love hearing from you guys. You can also just scroll down in the show notes across any platform and just click, um, I think it says either support the show, that'll get you there, or if you want to leave a voicemail. So again, you can do that at anchor.fm as well, or download the Anchor app. So those are the ways you can keep in touch with the show. I love hearing from you guys. It's awesome. Don't forget to leave a review. Click those five stars. I have dropped down to, I think, 4.8, 4.9 stars, something like that. So every star counts. I try to stay at five stars. I was up there the whole time, but nobody's perfect. I can't make everyone happy, but I appreciate it. So go ahead, click those five stars because I just want to keep doing this show. And the more people who see five stars, the more. The, Better it is. Not that I'm going to stop doing the show, but anyway. So, um, finally, you can also leave a written review as well. Leave those words, write those sentences. It really makes a difference. People read them. they want to know what the show is about before they sort of take the chance to invest. So thank you. I, I have been beating the drum of asking for written reviews and I've noticed, I checked that some of you have added a written review. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think you know, every single one of you who have have written a review, I've read them all. Thank you for your kind words. And for those of you who haven't, please go ahead and do that. Okay. So that's, that's the business got that out of the way. So to go backward a little bit here, just a little recap, as I was talking about depression and how it's like having a, that blanket over your head, several blankets over your head. And it's, it's, it's almost smothering, right? I mean, for those of you who experience depression, maybe it's different for you, but anybody I've ever talked to has talked about the big thing is that because we look the same, right, that people don't know how much pain we're in. And depression hurts. I can't, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's physical pain. You know, if you lose a loved one and you're, you know, distraught or maybe a breakup or some kind of loss, it's like that kind of physical pain. It's just discomfort to the nth degree, right? It's just overwhelming. And yet on the outside, other than the fact that maybe you're not smiling or other than the fact that maybe you're crying, you look exactly the same. And I was reminded by my husband, who is pretty much, thank God, a healthy guy. He doesn't get sick very often ever. And when he does, he is a big baby. He knows I say this about him. But then if I get sick, he just doesn't know what to do with himself because I'm the big caretaker in the family, right? And so I'm always saying, I know I don't look sick, you know, but I feel like garbage. And it's like, I thought about that when he was sick. He got the COVID shot and he was sick for maybe, I don't know, six hours. Then he went to sleep and woke up and he was fine. But I thought, huh. Other than the fact that he's communicating to me with his words, I would have no idea that he doesn't feel well. You know, yes, I can feel his forehead, feel that he has a fever. But I think that's part of the problem with depression is that we all look the same on the outside, the same as we did if we weren't depressed. And so that sort of does us a disservice that people who are on the outside who either can't relate to depression. Or even if they can, they just don't have it themselves that particular time. They don't see it because unless you can fully describe it and fully connect with another human being on your pain, they'll never get it. You know, back to my analogy if I break my leg, you don't know what that pain feels like unless you've broken your leg you can commiserate because you've had other kinds of pains that maybe were similar. Maybe you broke your finger, you know, maybe you broke something else, but you understand physical pain. We all do, but emotional depressive pain, unless you felt it, you just don't know. And so that's why I wanted to continue on with this analogy and all the hate. It's basically hate speech that your brain is telling you. All those lies. And that's literally what I tell myself now. These are lies when I'm feeling that depression. It's kind of like, I heard somebody else say this, it's like your brain's own conspiracy theories. It takes a little grain of truth and exploits it and makes something that's not true. Maybe you got a reprimand at work, you know, you didn't do something, you didn't turn in the paperwork, you didn't complete your task, you didn't, you know, whatever you didn't do. You're not about to get fired, but they just want you to do a better job when it comes to that particular task. Well, that's normal, right? We all are imperfect beings and we all have bosses who probably say, you know, work on this or that. And you get on with your day. You're upset. You're disappointed. You're like, oh, I shouldn't have turned in that report sooner, whatever it is. And you get on with your day. It's an inconvenience, right? But when you're depressed, your brain is saying all this terrible, hateful stuff. Why didn't you turn in that report? You're lazy. Should have turned it in on time. What's wrong with you? Your boss can't even trust you. He probably doesn't even like you. He's probably thinking about firing you. I could easily see you getting replaced. Michelle at work, she wants your job. He was just saying what a good job she does. I bet at the end of this year, you probably won't even have a job anymore. See, that's the thing. Your brain will do that. It'll take that little nugget of truth and exploit it. And it becomes your sort of existence when you're stuck in that blanket covered depression. You start to believe the conspiracy theories in your mind. I could get fired. I am a terrible employee. Or maybe you've been like trying to lose weight and you lost 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds, but then it starts to slow down and your brain says, oh, not losing as much weight as you were before you're never going to lose any weight. You're always going to be fat. Look at you. You're a slob. Why can't you do better? What's wrong with you? Why don't you work out more? Why don't you put the fork down, you pig? Nasty, nasty stuff. Conspiracy theories in your brain. And it's all of these lies. And this becomes your reality. And that's the interesting thing. I know that when I've been in the throes of depression and I would talk to my husband, he's like, I don't understand. Like this version of you, it's not the truth. The things you believe about yourself are not the truth. And for years, I couldn't see that because I thought, okay, when I'm having an all right day and everything's normal and I don't feel depressed, that's reality. But then when I'm in the throes of depression, that's the truth. Like I finally figured out the truth. I suck. I'm terrible. I'm an awful human being. That's a horrible way to live. Horrible. It sucks. I can tell you as someone who's experienced depression, it sucks. And the good thing is that I haven't been able to find a great cognitive behavioral therapist who teaches you to really look at what your brain is telling you. Because when I was younger, I was just like, well, this is the truth. This is my brain. My brain tells me the truth, right? My brain doesn't lie to me. It's me. But you literally almost have to separate yourself and go, this conspiracy theory garbage? Absolutely not. You are not that conspiracy theory. All of that stuff that your brain is telling you about, you're a terrible employee, you're a terrible wife, you're a terrible mother, you're fat, you're ugly, you're gross, is lies. And I literally sit in therapy learning how to recognize. It's almost like with politics. It's like the media is gonna tell you what they want you to hear, right? But the truth is still the truth. And so your brain, when you're in the throes of depression, is like a conspiracy theory laden media. And it's sometimes difficult to just turn it off. But what you can do is recognize it. And once you recognize it, it's like you look it in the face and you're like, you are lying to me. I am not about to get fired. And even if I am, I'm going to be okay because I'll get another job. Something else will come up. I'm going to be okay. My therapist teaches me, look at the evidence. Are you really about to be fired? What's in your file? I mean, I'm making up this example. I work for myself. so. But what's in your file? Well, nothing. I don't have any written write-ups. I just have verbal reprimands. So your company only fires people once you have X number write-ups. Is it true you're about to be fired? No. And I literally would pick through. Each conspiracy theory and like bust it wide open. Depression is nothing but lies and conspiracy theories. So when you're feeling all of this overwhelm and this blanket on your head, upon a blanket on your head, upon a blanket on your head, it's the total opposite of somebody who has a little sadness or feels bummed or slightly as they abuse the word depressed, it's like, I'm feeling a little depressed today. That's the person who, as I used in my first analogy, has the cat that's following them around the room. When I'm just a little bit sad or a little bit bothered, a little bit upset, it's the cat that follows me from room to room. It's there, but I can get on with my life. Depression is those blankets, or are those blankets on my head. And I can't escape them. And it's all that noise, that garbage, those lies. And if you're lucky, you have a good therapist, you have a good support system, maybe you've done some self-help classes or books or something, listen to a podcast, audiobooks, and you're able to decipher the truth from the lies. It still hurts. It's kind of like for me, depression is like a cold. You know, you feel it coming on. It's like, oh, here it comes. You know, they talk about um, people with epilepsy, when they're about to get a seizure, they have a, what they call an aura, where they can tell the seizure is coming. And so many people can prepare or like they have a seizure dog that senses that aura and they know what to do. So maybe you might sit down and go, okay, I'm about to have the seizure or, you know, dial 911 or your husband or something. Depression has an aura at least for me and again i'm only speaking from my personal experience where it starts to come on and it gets very dark and it takes however long it takes sometimes it takes a day sometimes it takes two sometimes it takes a week generally speaking it's not any more than that but it takes time to sort of work through beating up these conspiracy theories And that's literally what I do. I'm like punching that thing left, upper hook, upper hook, sucker punch, cut, cut, cut. I'm like, oh, you think I'm lazy? Boom. No, I'm not. Look what I've done. And I start giving myself evidence. I'm like, you started your own company from your basement. Well, I didn't have a basement, but from in my pajamas, in my apartment in Los Angeles. Boom. Take that. You sold that company and lived without working off of the money you made off the company that you sold. When you were 29, you had an idea and you Googled how to make a business plan. Boom, shut up. When you were this age, you did that. Boom, sucker punch. And I start beating down the conspiracy theories. You have your own podcast when you were afraid to do it. Pow! And it's almost like the conspiracy theorists are like, you know, oh, what are we going to do? Let's hit her with some more lies. Yeah, but look at you now. Look at your company. It was affected by COVID. Right. But I'm still standing and I'm coming back. Pow, bang, sucker punch. And I fight back. Now, I'm not saying that this works for everybody, but a lot of Cognitive therapists are talking about how they have really helped people with depression and it literally is teaching yourself to fight back against your own conspiracy theorist laden brain and as you do, you tamp them down. It's almost like you're playing a video game and it's like there goes one, there goes another and it still hurts. You still feel like you have a blanket on your head, but slowly, there goes one blanket. Slowly, there goes another blanket, and you just keep going. And eventually, like I said, it's like a cold. You know, with a cold, you have a sore throat, maybe you have a cough, stuffed up nose, a slight fever, you're tired, maybe achy, and slowly but surely, all of your symptoms start to go away, and then after a while, you're just left with a slight cough and maybe the sniffles and then you get better. That's what happens anytime I go through like a depressive sort of episode. I have to go through the storm. I beat that crap down, and then I come up, and each blanket slowly starts to be removed. And again, sometimes it's hours, days, or a week, and I, I can be free again. And then I'm right back to the great Jodi that I was before, great as in healthy, sustainable, able to conquer things, things don't bother me. I don't know why depression comes and goes. I'm not even sure that doctors know. Some say it's physiological, some say it's like what happens to you, circumstances, some say it's your history, there's many theories. But that's when it's just depression. As I said before the break, the tag team can happen where you get anxiety. Anxiety is like this, for me, an internal shaking. Like if you look at me, you don't see, it's not like my hands are shaking like I had too much caffeine, but internally it feels like I'm shaking, like I get a tightness in my chest or my throat. And now everything is going to go wrong. So along with all that hate speech and conspiracy theories, some additional conspiracy theories come in there like, nothing's ever going to change. Never. You are doomed. So now it's not that you're just bad and all these horrible things. It's that you're lost. You're a lost cause. It'll never change. You're worthless. What's the point? And it's just like this, like energy, but it's the wrong kind of energy. And it's like, it's like a fire inside you and it's burning. So you're already in pain from the depression, but the anxiety comes in and it almost like short circuits your brain when you're trying to talk about it. It's, you can't, you can't focus as well as you could if you weren't feeling depressed and anxious, you know, anything happens and it feels huge and overwhelming and you just want to cry and people want you to communicate and explain what's going on. I remember I had, a boss this is years ago probably like 20 years ago and whenever there was an issue he would sit the employees down and you know say you didn't do this and want to go over that and i would just get overwhelmed with anxiety i start to cry whenever i'm like anxious or upset or angry the tears start to flow i know a lot of my girlfriends are like that happens to me too and people think you're sad when you cry And yes, I'm sure I was sad too, but I was angry and anxious and overwhelmed. And so now I'm embarrassed because I'm crying at my job with a man who does not understand. Most men, in my opinion, don't. Yes, there are men who get depression and anxiety too, but your average dude doesn't even understand his own emotions, let alone some crying chick in the office. So it would just be so overwhelming. And that's the thing for me, anxiety, it's just like keeps coming. It's like this, this, these waves that just hit you of doom and gloom. And I'm someone who has never, ever planned to commit suicide. If what I described to you in the last 20, 30 minutes sounds awful, imagine how bad it has to be for someone to commit suicide. I know that in my darkest, darkest days, when I feel the most depressed, there's that little voice that's like, you don't even need to be here. Nobody would miss you. (laughs) Your husband could find another wife. Yeah, I'd be sad, but he has his family. What's the point? Most of your family's gone. Because I have had so much loss. The only person I have left in my life that's my family of origin is my mother and two distant cousins. That's it. I don't have any other family members. So then the depression and anxiety just plays on that. You don't have anybody. When you die, if you go to heaven, which I think I would, You can see all your relatives. Why do you need to be here? This world is filled with so much racism and hate and pain and loss and destruction. Then you have this global perspective, right? And you start to feel like, yes, I can't do it anymore. My life isn't going to get any better. All of this garbage. But again, that is conspiracy theories and lies. Depression and anxiety are cunning. They will cut you to the quick and it hurts. But again, after everything I've said today, the one thing I've never done is plan a suicide. And I know that if it was that bad for me, how much more worse it has to be for someone to take their own lives that's how it's not selfish because you just want the pain to stop you don't want to die you just want the pain to stop it's like imagine your arm is in a vice and it's just tightening and tightening and tightening and the pain is immense the cracking of your bones the pressure on your blood vessels You don't really want to amputate your arm. You just want the pain to stop. That's what happens with people who commit suicide. They buy into their own conspiracy theories, and they're in so much pain that they choose to end it. And that is so terribly sad it's not selfishness. It's immense pain. And I just, I wanted to do this show because so many people do not understand about depression and anxiety. They think when they themselves have had a blue day, that that's what it feels like. It is not the same to me it's almost like the difference and I love analogies because I feel like analogies do the best job at taking a situation out of the situation you know and describing it in a way that anybody can understand it's kind of like if you go outside and you you know you're out there for hours and you it's really really sunny on this particular day and you don't have sunscreen on you get a sunburn and that hurts I mean I, I don't know because my skin. I get tans. I think I've had a sunburn once or twice in my life. Melanin skin, brown skin, I just don't experience it. All of my white friends have been like, oh, don't touch me. I got sunburn. I've not experienced that. It just doesn't feel the same. I definitely can get darker and I do get darker and peel, but I don't experience that burn. But like my husband and stepkids, they go outside and they get a sunburn and it hurts a little bit like to the touch and they put some like aloe vera on them and then you know a day or two later they're better maybe it turns into a tan maybe it starts peeling whatever that's regular sadness depression and anxiety is like holding your hand over a fire and it burns and the flames are cooking your skin it's dramatically different And our society is so quick to think, well, I've been sunburned. I don't understand what your problem is. I'm on fire, MFR. I'm trying to cut back on the cursing because some countries will not play podcasts if they have any kind of filth or um, if they're labeled explicit, which kind of sucks because sometimes I think an F-bomb is appropriate, but I'm trying. But I'm on fire, metaphorically on fire. It's not the same as your dang sunburn. And it frustrates me when I hear people talking about depression and anxiety. Like, why don't they just get over it? Suck it up. We've all been through hard crap. But people who do not have a depressive brain don't know what it's like to be on fire. You just have the sunburn. You just have the cat following you around the room. I'm smothered and can't get out of bed. Very different. So, I think the minute we as a society start to truly understand the pain and devastation, because it is like a bomb goes off in your system, and then you kind of clean up the rubble and you get on with it. It's like an episode for me. I don't know if it's that way for everybody. Again, I just want to repeat this is my experience. And the friends I've talked to who've suffered and dealt with depression and anxiety, they've said similar things. That doesn't mean that's everybody, but I can tell you a lot of us feel this way. If all of this devastation and all of this, you know, like I was saying, the bomb and the rubble, all of that happens to people. If people who don't experience it can't understand it, we're never going to see change. Never. I live in a county that for some reason there's a lot of suicides here. I don't know what a lot is or a little is or what has more or what has less, but I have a friend who's a firefighter and he, you know, is also an EMT. So he shows up or paramedic, not an EMT. He shows up to all kinds of calls. And he told me this county has a high suicide, excuse me, a high suicide rate. And it's never reported on the news. And I thought about that. Because if someone was murdered, that would most likely be reported on the news. If someone was shot, you know, stabbed, whatever. And if someone, let's see, was hit by a car, terrible accident, some kind of accident, that would be reported on the news. But somehow if we take our own lives, that's supposed to be private. Can't talk about that no, shh, no, 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 don't want to say anything about that. To me, that's part of the problem as well. We need to talk about this crap. We need to educate ourselves and create true understanding so that people who are in the throes of depression or dealing with immense and extreme anxiety do not feel like they're all alone so that they know that it is temporary. As the saying goes, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It just is. We need to talk about it. The Capitol Hill riots uh, back on January 6th, one of the police officers, and I think maybe more, but at least one of them, commits suicide the next day. And they claim that that in part was due to what happened with the riots. And the family hasn't talked about it. And that's their right. You know, they're suffering. They're going through pain. And I understand that. But sometimes I think that if we understood what people went through more, that's where the change would come from. That's when people would understand why some people have to take medication. It may not work for you but it works for millions and millions and millions and millions of people. I hear people talking about medication like, oh, it's a happy pill. Oh, it just makes you feel good. No, no, no. If you're stuck in this cloak of blankets on your head and you can't even get out of bed and medication helps you, it's not a happy pill. That's a frivolous way of talking about it. It's a solution. Some people do better with CBD, Some people do better with just good therapy or meditation. We need to figure out a way to truly communicate what makes the difference. We need to communicate what it feels like so that we can see a difference and we can have change. I got to take a quick break. I'll be right back. So welcome back again. The, uh, Software I use only allows me to speak for 30 minutes at a time, so I had to take that little mini break. I think there is hope. I think that if people continue to talk about it, and more and more and more, there is hope. Again, if you are out there and you're thinking about suicide, I hope by hearing my story, my experiences, that you can find some sort of hope in that because you aren't alone. You are not alone. When you're in the throes of depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts and all of that, you feel like you're the only one. Everyone else. I used to say, I feel like I was born with a tool belt and all I have is like a hammer and a screwdriver on my tool belt. But everyone else has like two hammers, three screwdrivers, you know, nails, power tools, like all of these things. How are they getting through life? And I have barely anything, but that's not true. It's more the conspiracy theory nonsense. I hope that anybody who's listening, who's feeling this right now, you know that that stuff that your brain is telling you is not true. And if you don't know it, just tell yourself it's not true until you believe it. And for anyone out there who's never dealt with severe depression or anxiety, I hope that my little tiny bit of trying to explain what it's about and what it feels like can help open the door so that maybe you can help a friend or a family member or even a stranger. Maybe you could understand more. I was talking to my daughter-in-law about how, you know, years ago, you could not say, I suffer from depression and anxiety. I remember I used to see a therapist in my 20s and I would never, ever say it because you couldn't say that. It was like, oh, you're crazy. Looney tunes. What's wrong with you? You don't know how to manage your life. You don't know how to manage your life. What's wrong with you? You know, where are you going? Oh, I have a doctor's appointment. I was, uh, you know, just wouldn't bring it up. You couldn't bring it up. Or if you did, with like a close friend, you'd kind of say, oh, I was—I have a therapist. And you kind of look at him like, is there judgment? Is this bad? Is this wrong? Now, it's so much better. And even still, I worry that some people will be like, God, Jody, what's wrong with you? But I don't care. Because it is what it is. Like I said before, some people have diabetes. Some people, God forsaken, unfortunately, have to deal with cancer. Some people have to deal with epilepsy. Some people have to deal with, you know, being paralyzed. Others with being blind or being deaf. Everybody has their crap in life that they get. And I got depression and anxiety. And that's how it is. But if I can do my part to spread awareness and hope, maybe somebody out there listening right now will think differently maybe they'll think to themselves, I can get help. I want to look up where I can find myself a cognitive behavioral therapist. That's what worked for me. I went to therapist after therapist, the kind that you sit there and you go, this is what's going on with my day. And I'm really upset about my boyfriend and my job and my boss. And I don't like this, and my friends, and I feel left out. And I would just talk and I'd feel better for the moment, but they didn't teach me how to think. The depressive brain needs specific skills. And again, this is my opinion, specific skills to conquer that crap. And that's what's made my life better. So if we can spread awareness and stop the stigma of mental illness and truly understand what is meant by mental illness, you know? Like I said before, I have to brush my teeth or I will get too much plaque on my teeth. I'll get holes in my teeth, Teeth, I'll get cavities and they will fall out or I'll have to pull them out. They will rot out of my mouth. It's just how it is. I have to brush my teeth and with depression and anxiety, I have to watch my thoughts and make sure, make sure that I address them, that I combat them, that I fight them. It sucks. When you feel that dark feeling, it is so physiologically painful. And I know I can't 100% describe it, but I hope I did a good enough job for anyone out there who hasn't been through that. Some people don't even realize that it's not normal to say all that garbage to yourself. Sure, we say bad things to ourselves. Oh my gosh, why'd you do that? You idiot, you dropped your keys, you lost your keys. What were you thinking? We all say stupid crap to ourselves. But the exponential, like drown out drone of you're worthless, you're not enough, you're too much. That isn't normal. That isn't healthy. And you deserve better. I deserved better than that. I still deserve better than that. You, anyone listening who's dealing with depression right now, you don't deserve that crap in your head. And it's not true. So when I think back to that radio show and how they're all talking about how it's so selfish, how could you, why would you commit suicide? And it's, I mean, come on, we all have hard lives. They don't get it. And they probably never will completely get it. But if they can get it just a little bit, a little bit more, then people who suffer will suffer a little bit less because they will have better resources, better support from their family and friends, better support from, you know, general practitioners who don't get it, who will recognize depression and not just a little blue and a little sadness. And then, you know, our government and our social programs will fully be aware of how they can help. Young people will be taught to recognize it in themselves. You know, we're all taught two plus two is four and right from left and right from wrong and, you know, how to read and how to critically think and social studies. But we need to understand our own minds as well. So that when the darkness of depression comes, if it does, you're ready to kick its ass. You're ready. You'll have a support system. And if you don't, you will keep looking until you find one. You will keep talking until somebody hears you. Because that's what we need to do. We need to be there and support people with mental illness. If you broke your leg and I was like, come on. Get up and walk. You'll be fine. Dust off your backside and get going. That would be ridiculous. What's wrong with you? Why are you limping? Toughen up. Oh my gosh, you're being a baby. You're only seeking attention. You're fine. So what? All of these things happen to everybody. What, you think you're special? What about my life? Why do you think your leg's such a big deal? Oh my God, get over it. You're always complaining. No one would say that to a person with a broken leg. You take them to the doctor. You support them, you you put their arm around your shoulder and you help them get into the car and you help them heal. That's what we need to do with depression and anxiety. Not finger point about why aren't they strong enough. that only makes it worse. It makes the people who are going through this feel more depressed and more anxious and more alone. But they are not alone because millions and millions of people are suffering from depression and anxiety. So there is hope. There is change. And it's a weird thing to be like a young person and then all of a sudden, whoops, I'm 50. How did that happen? And to see the change, I can look back in my you know, teens, 20s, 30s, and even 40s, the difference between how our society talks about mental health, the fact that I can talk about it is a beautiful thing. And I hope that it'll only get better I believe in my heart of hearts that as we grow as a society, as we learn more, as we accept what it is, and maybe as doctors and psychologists and psychiatrists understand the brain more, maybe there will be a cure and a complete fix and we'll just, you know, hundreds of years from now, we'll go, oh my God, remember when people used to suffer from depression and anxiety? Here's this old podcast that people still listen to, that girl. I don't know about that. But but until then, I think there is hope. There is hope for you, if you have this, for me, for everyone out there listening who doesn't. There's always hope. I started this show with a little special announcement about the suicide hotline, and I want to end this show. If you need help, 24-7, if you're feeling overwhelmed and depressed and anxious and you don't have anyone to talk to or you don't have a good support system, call the suicide hotline number, 800-273-8255. And if you aren't suicidal, but you just need help, find someone to talk to. And keep talking till someone hears you. Maybe your spouse or boyfriend or friends don't get it. There are resources. Google them. The suicide hotline will not talk to you if you're not suicidal. So if you need help, just someone to listen. There are 12-step programs you can go to for overeaters, drugs, alcohol. A lot of times you will get all of those things mixed in when you have depression and anxiety. If you go to 12-step programs, they are 100% free and they they are all over the country. There is hope, there is hope, there is hope. Don't ever forget that. That's my story, I'm sticking to it. You are not alone.